Hello. Now, in this episode, we continue our interlude examining how to use communication as the powerful tool that it can be to get it right in our renovation or new build. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. In the last episode, I took you through the very first three communication tools that you can use in your project to really set it up and to help it go more smoothly and achieve a success overall. Now, do you remember what they were? They were your team, your brief and your language. In this episode, I'm going to take you through four more communication tools so that you've got this toolkit then of seven in total and explain how to use them effectively as you move towards the building stage or renovation stage and then during construction. So let's get going. Now, communication tool number four is your quotes. So we've obviously just traveled through season three where I have given you loads of information about how to set your budget and how to stay on budget during your project. And during season three, we also talked about how to get costing information uh, along the way that it's not a one-step process, but instead it needs to be done incrementally as you develop and resolve your design and you get more and more information that can inform an accurate cost. Now, one important step where communication can lead to disaster is in how you actually seek your estimates and quotes for your project, because this is where assumption can really catch you out and can lead to mistakes and to surprises on site. The aim here in everything that you do as you're providing information to those that you're working with and those that you're seeking costing information from so that you can nail down those costs overall is that you want to remove the need for assumption, okay? Whenever you're seeking quotes or estimates, put all of your information in writing. And that's actually called a scope of works. It's where you describe all of the work to be done in detail or your team will do this for you. There'll be drawings showing what needs to be done and there'll be written information specifying the standard to which it's to be completed. And there may also be pictures and other information where necessary. You know, this is really about describing the finished result and that's the best way to sort of explain and scope out the work overall. One of the mistakes that I see many homeowners make in this process, though, is that in seeking quotes, they'll actually say how they want somebody to do something. Now, if you tell somebody how you want them to do their work, you may actually miss out on the opportunity for them to offer their expertise and to propose alternative methods that could save you time and money, they could be more efficient, more strategic, and could generally be a better outcome for you overall. So it's always worth asking for that type of advice and to draw on the experience of those around you that you are bringing onto your team to find ways to still deliver what you're seeking, but perhaps more efficiently and for a lower budget. Now, ensure that you receive quotes and estimates in writing. You know, giving the go-ahead for quotes in writing is also a necessary thing to do in writing as well. Never give a verbal go-ahead on a quote. Make sure that you're always giving that go-ahead in writing and keep all records of your correspondence, so even phone and verbal conversations. I find that if you've just got simply a notebook or a piece of paper and you just write it up as a note, put the date on it, who the conversation was with and what you basically discussed and what action items might be coming out of it, 
and then you can email that to yourself and any other parties that might be involved. That can be a great way to keep a record of it, even if you just put it into your hard copy file. It's important that you just create a system and a structure as to how you do this so that you've got a a level of rigor and discipline about it and that you can keep track of the communication that you want to because this will be especially important in ensuring that the work that's been quoted for you actually gets properly completed on site as agreed and commissioned. All right, You find that a lot of the conversations that you have with tradespeople and builders will be verbal and standing physically on site and if things go awry and you don't have a written record of that from the time that that conversation actually occurred, it can A, be difficult to remember the details and B, be difficult to get anybody to then rectify things because there can be disagreements about what was actually said. So I really encourage you to keep this paper trail and to ensure that all of these things are done before you make that final payment. Now, your next communication tool is number five, which is your legals. So your legals are all about how you'll use your contracts and agreements to communicate expectations and protect yourself overall. I Always ensure that you have formal written agreements with everyone who is helping you deliver your project. It's just not worth doing it more casually. In fact, this is one of the biggest hazards around using family or friends or friends of friends to help you with your project because in these situations, I see many homeowners not bother with contracts and then they get seriously caught out if and when that working relationship sours. There are various standard contracts for building work, both as a whole and then also for the individual components and trades within it. And I really recommend that you get legal advice on what to expect, what your obligations are and what these contracts mean, because contracts don't just obligate those that you're hiring for your project. They will obligate you as well. So you need to understand what your responsibilities will be so that you can be protected overall. It's also important too that you understand the various processes that can occur during a home build or renovation and what their implications are contractually. Okay, so an example is variations. So when a variation occurs, you know, what does the contract require to happen? Do they need to be advised and signed off in writing before anybody commences work on them? How much warning do you or the tradespeople need to give to have them implemented? You know, does a builder or tradesperson need to actually tell you before they go ahead and do the variation? Uh, How does that get handled? Will you have to pay for those variations straight away or will you be paying for them at the next milestone or at the very end? And what margin or penalty is added to them as well so that you understand how the costs will work? I've seen many homeowners get uh, stung by this because they'll not know what's actually required in their contract. They'll not be communicating in the formal way that's required by their contract or their builder won't be observing the correct communication channels either. And as a homeowner, you know, you might not know any better. And then the variations occur and payments aren't processed until later in the project. And then all of a sudden the homeowner will get stung with this big bill from the builder that basically then lists out all these variations with margins on them. And they didn't budget for it and it's at the pointy end of the project where all the money is tight and it all needs to be paid in order for things to be finished and for them to be able to move back in. So most contracts will have some legislated requirements for the various processes that happen around the contractual execution of a project, okay? So check them out, get some legal advice around these things. Now, the thing is here that even when you have a great team on board who are like-minded and that you can simply and efficiently communicate with them, your contracts may still have specific requirements for managing that communication and how it needs to be done formally. And seriously, you can never know what's around the corner because at the end of the day, we're talking about people working with people to design and build new homes and renos. So personal issues can impact a person's professional performance. And regardless of how awesome they are and how much you get along with them, 
you know, things can go awry. I've seen projects happen where builders' marriages have broken down mid-project and it's just sent things a bit pear-shaped. So your legals are what will protect you in these situations and give you options for what you are able to do next and how it financially needs to be managed. So be sure that you're across them so that you can manage your risk around those areas. Now, communication tool number six is your project management. So in the last season, I spoke about how important it is to monitor time and money as a means of tracking progress on your project and managing your budget overall. I also shared the importance of establishing some systems in how you do manage and monitor the work. The type and the style of the system that you use, it will really depend on the scale of your project and the pace at which it's being built, of course. So And this will also depend on the role that you're playing as well. So you may be outsourcing this responsibility to your designer or your project manager, and you don't necessarily need to be the one establishing and running this project management system. If you are doing this yourself, though, let's just go through some methods that you can use to manage and monitor work in your project and how much each that you use each of these will really depend on what your role is and who else you have on your team. So I'll go through them and then you can determine what you think you might need. Now, first is a construction program. So this helps you establish the sequencing of trades, the timelines for each to complete their work. You can even go right back to the design process, your approvals, all of the timing in that, the quoting, the tendering. This will help you communicate to all involved how work will progress and what needs to happen and when and who's responsible and who needs to take action in order for the next step to be able to happen. The next is uh, regular site meetings. So these are a real communication hotspot. They can be where issues can be raised, any upcoming needs on site can be fleshed out. It's really important that minutes are taken of these meetings, so notes are recorded for what actually happens in the meeting, even if they're handwritten. So just keeping a record of what was discussed, who was in attendance, the action items that were agreed, you know, and then circulate those notes to all that were involved in the meeting and keep a record for yourself. You'll be surprised how useful those notes can become if you have um, some type of dispute later on. Another item is site instructions. So anytime you actually give an instruction to a tradesperson or a professional that's outside or in addition to the arrangement that you have with them. So what I mean, if you've agreed some work with them and then you give an instruction to them that is beyond the work that you agreed with them, that I really encourage you to put that in writing because that will help you actually articulate it and it will provide a record that you can go back to should you need to for things like extra cost, extra time, those types of things. And then the last thing is site inspections. So these are the regular walkarounds where work is inspected and it's compared then to drawings or quotes or site instructions or the contract to ensure that it's actually been carried out in accordance with those things. And often if you're doing a regular site meeting, then you'll do a site walk around or site inspection at the same time. Look, don't be overwhelmed if this all seems like a lot because it can actually be as simple as just having a dedicated notebook that you take to site every time you visit. Uh, The key is really just to have some discipline about record keeping and monitoring work on your project overall. And if something goes pear-shaped, whether it's during the project or it's months after you've finished, you just don't want to be relying on your memory to sort it out. Written records are so essential in helping you get through your project smoothly and protecting you long term. Now, finally, I've got communication tool number seven, and this is your result. So the last communication tool is about making sure that the built outcome of your new home or renovation is actually what you are expecting and you paid for. Expecting a certain type of quality and finish in your project or parts of it requires you stating those expectations up front before the work has been commissioned, you've hired somebody and you want to get going, okay? So go back to communication tools number three, which was your language, and communication tool number four, which was your quotes, and make sure that you capture 
this information during those steps of your project, that you establish those expectations in the finish that you're expecting as part of delivering that work. It's really important that there's an understood framework or a benchmark to which all those that are involved in your project know that they are expected to perform through. And there'll be, you know, some of those existing benchmarks will include the National Construction Code and the Building Code of Australia and Australian Standards. So, you know, there are statutory regulations that require certain performance standards for people both in the quality of work that they do, how they finish it, you know, and how they actually execute their work. If you're curious to learn more about these and how they relate to your home, there's actually a really great interactive online tool that you can check out and I'll pop a link in the show notes because it'll show you the, you can basically actually look at a model of a house and you can see the rules and regulations that exist in statutory legislation for the various parts of your home. So you can just see that. But if you're working with professionals, they should be helping you with making sure that your design ticks the boxes on all of those things as well. Now, what do you do when you think that something hasn't been done according to the rules or to a decent level of quality or to your drawings or to some understanding in the contract? Well, where you believe it's not being carried out, I actually just recommend that you communicate with fairness. It may have been a complete oversight by the person involved. And, you know, generally, if you've chosen your team well and they've just made a mistake, they'll be more than happy to rectify it straight away. If you're not getting any results, though, then ensure that you follow due process and that you start communicating in writing. If it escalates and you can't get any results directly with those that are doing the work, then check with your local regulating organisation. So each state has a governing body that deals with building disputes. So refer to your state representative organisation to see what processes you should follow when disputing building work and you know, find out from them what you need to do to communicate and the actual process that you need to follow to progress your dispute. You need to do it in the way that's required by them as a governing body um, so that you can then get assistance in your case overall. Now, if you're not sure that you can do this, if you're not sure that you can handle the nitty gritty of dealing with difficult tradespeople or builders or other professionals, well, in the next episode, I've got some tried and tested communication strategies to help you navigate this more simply, all right? Often the best, uh, getting the best results from communication overall is actually in how you deliver your communication. So how you deliver your feedback, your instructions, your concerns, your questions. So I've got some key tips for you in our next episode about how to do that well and with more confidence. So let's go through those seven communication tools that are available for you to use in your renovation or new build again. So tool number one is your team how to find like-minded team members to simplify communication and make the process more efficient overall. Tool number two is your brief, and it's the communication package that is key and that you use throughout your project to get everyone on the same page as you and on the same page as your vision for your home so that they can really see it like you see it. Tool number three is your language. And this is about learning to speak and present information in a way that everybody in the industry understands and to remove assumptions and get professional help to translate it for you. Tool number four is your quotes. And this is about how you can remove assumptions and you can scope out the work so that your quotes reflect the work that you actually want done. Tool number five is your legals and your contracts and your agreements. Understanding your legal obligations and how you need to interact with your team members so that you can follow due process and be protected overall. And tool number six is your project management. So this is about monitoring time and money in your project and creating structured systems to record progress and to keep everything on track. And lastly, tool number seven is your result. 
Now, this is about getting to the end of the project, knowing that you've got what you paid for, that it has been done to the required rules, regulation and quality overall, and that it's a safe and beautiful and durable home to live in. So that is seven communication tools that you can use in your renovation or new build. Now, in the next episode, we'll be looking at the mistakes that homeowners commonly make in the way that they use communication on their projects, right from those very early first steps and throughout their projects into completion. And so I'll be sharing what these mistakes are and how to avoid making them yourself and giving you some ninja tricks to be able to do it better. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect. Now, if you head to the Undercover Architect website, you'll see loads more helpful information on how to get it right when designing, building or renovating your home simply and with confidence. Not only can you see all the podcast episodes there, there's also a wealth of written blogs and videos to covering all sorts of topics. And there's other ways as well that Undercover Architect can give you more support and guidance for your project. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please subscribe so that you always get notified of new episodes as soon as they go live. And I'd love it too if you could please leave a review. (laughs) I know that iTunes doesn't make it easy to leave a review, but when you do, this is super helpful in spreading the word that this podcast exists to others who really need to hear it to get help with planning their future homes. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Thank you for listening and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye.